Self-reflection is powerful. You're about to hear snippets from a couple conversations I had with two of my good friends. The first few snippets are gonna be from a conversation I had with my friend Isaac, and the last few are from a conversation with my friend Anjali. Throughout both conversations, we're gonna take some breaks. And, and in those breaks, I'm gonna ask some questions. Because I think it's so powerful to take some time to self-reflect. And so as we listen to my two friends uh, simply answer the question, what are you learning about yourself? I'm gonna ask us to take some time and reflect on what we are learning about ourselves. And I really believe that as we do this, I have an opportunity to see what it might look like for us to more so embody what it means to be ourselves. We are about to hear uh, snippets from my conversation that I had with Isaac. And because it is just uh, broken up parts of the conversation, I'm gonna set it up a little bit and take time throughout to set up different parts of the conversation as necessary. And we're about to jump in right now to a point where Isaac has just grabbed his journal and he's about to take us through some different questions that he's actually been going through with his therapist. And this will hopefully set us up uh, to learn more about what Isaac has been learning about himself and maybe help us learn a little bit about what we are learning about ourselves as well. You grabbed your journal, so I feel like you got something to say. <laughs> um, bro, it's because I was talking to my therapist about this, because um, he asked me, like, uh, I grabbed it because I remember writing it down, because um, they were like, Do you, have you had time to, like, uh, for yourself? Have you had, like, some self-reflection time? Um, and I was like, nah, like I haven't really been consistently journaling or I just don't really feel like I have time to myself. And if you have time to myself, I'm always just doing something else. Cause they were just asking me questions like, when, like, when do you, like, what do you do when you wake up? Like, how does that look like? What do you, what's the first thing you do? And I'm like, I grab my phone. Uh, <laughs> I've gotten better about it because I don't check emails as soon as I work emails as soon as I do it. So I took that off my phone, a good boundary to have. Um, yeah <laughs> so um but another one being like I was like what do you do at night what is that process like do you have like any like consistency routine and it was like just a time to just be many times to just be honest and reflect and be like okay what is it that i do what I, what is it that i like i don't like not to judge or shame but it was just like what was i doing i was like i only sh i shower make sure to shower once a day sometimes up at night sometimes up that day depending on the the day um but yeah, it was just like kind of going through that. And then I, she said something to me about how, you know, I only ask because I think like when you have, like there's power in like self-reflection and there's power in like being in, in self-reflection and then being to recognize like where you are and how you're doing because then that allows you to to then like, it's like a, a doctor's appointment. It's like getting a, a check-in and being like, how how is everything? Is everything okay? Like. Um, especially in regards to like things like boundaries, things like uh, that, like burnout, but things like that. Because especially in the society that we live in, especially like uh, in the culture that we uh, exist in, in the systems that we operate in, 
it's like we can easily be like the hamster on the wheel that we're just like going and going and going just doing like the routine and if we don't have that moment of self-reflection if we don't have that moment to check in with ourselves then we'll just we won't really know you know until like it's like the wheel's like broken or something or we're on fire self-reflection i'm about to ask the questions that isaac's therapist actually asked him so take some time listen pause after the question if you'd like or just reflect as i read through these questions but take some time to really reflect on how you might answer these questions. Have you had time for yourself recently? Have you had time for self-reflection? What is it that you do when you first wake up? What is it that you do at night? What is your process? Do you have any consistent routines? There's power in self-reflection. Thank you for reflecting on those questions. We're about to move on to a part in our conversation where Isaac is reflecting on his cultural and ethnic identity as a Salvadorian Mexican American man. As you listen to Isaac reflect on this, I wanna invite you to really pay attention to what he's processing. And afterwards, I'm gonna ask us some questions that will hopefully help us process our own cultural and ethnic identity. So there's like that like cultural aspect and then like the ethnicity, obviously, uh, mm -hmm. being like my parents are respectively, uh, my mom and dad respectively from El Salvador in Mexico. And mm -hmm. that means different things though, because again, like what does it mean to be Mexican? Because there's Afro-Mexican, there's mm -hmm. uh, indigenous Mexican, there's mm -hmm. Afro-indigenous Mexican, there's mm -hmm. white Mexicans. Um, should we really be identifying it with the nationality? That's kind of dangerous, is it not? That can lead mm -hmm. to fascism, right? Mm -hmm. uh, all of these different questions. So, and it's just been kind of um, interesting in a journey because I'm not there yet. I, I'm not. If anyone has the answers to these questions, like please let me know what I am. Self-reflection is powerful. Do you know your cultural heritage? If so, has this been important to you throughout your life? When did you first become aware of your ethnic identity? What was it like for you coming to this understanding? Thank you for reflecting on those questions. As Isaac continues to talk through his cultural and ethnic identity, we will pick up the conversation where Isaac begins to reflect on who he is and who he isn't. 
taking a look at how intersectionality and privilege plays out in his identity and how he is learning, growing, and recognizing the value in different people's unique voices, experiences, and identities. Like, I know it all, race, uh, ethnicity, culture. I, I already, this is new for white people, but like, you know, whatever. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> especially <laughs> like listening and, and, and reading and trying to learn from 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 black femme from black women yeah, yeah. from from these voices um it's like oh man uh it's a little embarrassing uh it's very embarrassing uh just like i still had it again like i was like I, i'm just again bad anti-black me like well like you know like yeah I, I understand black people, it's very cringe. I understand black people because I'm brown. You know, like I, I understand because like, you know, because we got it rough. Nah, bro, I'm not black. Uh, <laughs> nah, I feel you. I'm, I'm dark, but like, you know, like coming to that realization of being like, not only am I not black, I'm also a man. I'm also like, I'm like, like a cis man. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hetero. I'm, mm-hmm. Christian, you know, mm-hmm. very, very powerful institution here. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm documented, mm-hmm. you know, all the layers, uh, man. All the la- all layers. It's like it's like that classic, um, very like privilege walk, like the cliche. Um, mm-hmm. I know English, you know, I'm bilingual. That's a privilege in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like learning and hearing from like voices from mm. from these communities yeah it's like really humbled me that i'm like oh no like i i don't know it all oh no like we are not the same like i cannot speak about um like i said earlier like i don't want to speak for black folks i think i could be i i, I was going to be like you know as a, black, as a black person like nope i don't know um I speak about my experience. Mm-hmm. Speak about similar experiences, but like I can't say like I understand. Yeah, you know, I might get like a little taste of it, but like I not. And I think that's what I've learned a lot, especially from just again like reading, um, and and from and hearing from voices of community, yeah. um, whether that's books, whether that's honestly Twitter, um, because this is like again. The cool thing about social media, cool thing about Twitter, I feel like an old man right now. It's like you're hearing voice, the thoughts, the voices from like people from that are that are like the direct voices from these people, mm-hmm. the direct thoughts from these people, from my coworkers, and just seeing like, okay, like where can I now? I think that's when I I started doing that shift really, where like being like, I'm, I don't want to operate like in this room of like I'm brown. Like how can I like make sure to operate now and being like I'm anti-black. Like I'm or not, I'm like anti anti black. I'm pro black. <laughs> <laughs> Cut the clip. Uh, like, no, you know I, what I mean? That's I hear. I'm hearing you say like what something you're realizing is like your brownness or your like what you carry doesn't just make you automatically align with with blackness. It doesn't just just because you are are identify as some 
sort of ethnic cultural other than whiteness doesn't just mean now you have completely associated with blackness or Asian Americanness or indigenous indigenousness. And in your in your hetero cis maleness, that also like what I'm hearing from you is the intersectionality of all this. That you're you're recognizing that your identity has layers to it, and that doesn't just you you can you can you can relate or empathize to other people, but that doesn't mean that you've walked in their shoes and know exactly what other people are coming from. Does that sound right? What I'm hearing. Right, right. And to like even add to that, like it's like for me, maybe this is a me thing. I yeah. have to like not only do I because I, I think there's moments even when we when we like um when we first met, like where I kinda like kinda like recognized part of the intersectionality. Mm-hmm. Um but for me I have to like humble myself or be humbled. Uh, <laughs> humble myself or be humbled to like just because I even just because I just I recognize the intersectionality doesn't mean like that's like that's enough you know yep I'm like I'm like oh you know like I recognize all these things so like I'm good I saw something about like how white like white men need to understand that like uh, just because you can't have an opinion on it doesn't mean you should um, in regards to like immigration or something and I was like yeah and I was like me neither I'm not undocumented Uh oh I can, I can, I can just listen. I can just listen. It's a powerful so, realization, my dude. Uh, it's only taken 24 years uh, and I'll forget again. Self-reflection. What stood out to you about what Isaac shared? What are the different identities that you carry? What are some ways that you may have projected your own experience onto others? Have you ever had someone claim to know exactly what you are experiencing in life? If yes, how did that make you feel? If no, how do you think it would make you feel? Thank you for reflecting on those questions. As we conclude this segment of my conversation with Isaac, Isaac moves on to talking about shame and how he's been talking with his therapist about how shame can creep in from the ways in which we can both intentionally, but more often unintentionally, cause harm to other people. It seems that causing harm to people is inevitable, but what is so important is how we respond when we cause harm to someone else. And, it, and I was talking about shame, talking about shame, talking about harm, and like the, the shame that one feels, that I specifically feel in the harm, the harms that I have caused, um, mm. like in the past, um, whether it be most recent harm, or, and, and they vary, vary from like time to severity, right? Um, 
And something that my therapist told me was, uh, you need to understand that like you're always going to cause harm. You're always going to cause harm. Might not be your intention, but that might be the impact. That's the first thing that you know. Um, it's it's how you respond and how you recognize and what you do afterwards that mm -hmm. is that that matters. Like that restorative justice kind of, mm -hmm. kind, of kind of talk. So yeah, I think that's that's what I wanted that's what I've been thinking about as well. It's like, okay, like, you know, if we're gonna, if harm is inevitable, uh, how are we going to make sure we're implementing like steps in restorative justice to ensure that the harm is negated or that it's not repeated again? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just, uh, that I think that ties into like elevating and sharing stories and also just in general as how we operate in society. Mm -hmm. Because again, like you were saying, some days we're gonna be very, self-aware and like check ourselves and listen and be like that 10 out of 10 not racist not homophobic not mm -hmm. toxic masculinity you know like the perfect mm -hmm. being sure maybe mm -hmm. not really um <laughs> perfect being to somebody then perfect being to someone um but most likely or not we're gonna you know cause harm so how do we uh, how do we come back from that as you were saying so and i think that's just like that that question and that's what i've been really unpacking and packing and I'm learning and learning in my in, in some sessions of therapy. Self-reflection. Before I ask these questions, I want to acknowledge that harm can look like different things to different people and vary in severity. If you or someone you know has been harmed physically or emotionally in ways that go beyond simple mistakes or miscommunications, I want to encourage you to reach out and share this with someone that you trust. Here are our questions. What are some ways that you have unintentionally caused harm to others? When you feel shame, where do you carry it in your body? What would it look like to have grace for yourself and for others when you unintentionally cause harm to people? What might be some healthy ways to respond after both intentionally and unintentionally harming others? I want to say thank you to Isaac for being willing to share with us a little bit of what he's been learning and processing through therapy and opening up about what he's been learning about himself recently. So thanks, Isaac. As we move on, we're going to hear a little bit from some clips of my conversation with my friend Anjali. Now, I've put these clips together in a more or less cohesive six and a half minute segment. So we'll listen to that straight through. And in this conversation, we're going to hear Anjali reflect on what she's been learning about herself as she's been applying for law school. And she's also going to reflect on how she's been redefining what success means to her. So for the next couple of minutes, uh, I'm going to ask you to listen to this conversation and we'll come back with some reflection questions afterwards.
I think I'm, I'm learning to choose joy over expectations. Mm. Um, I think, you know, honestly, I mentioned earlier, like I trying to figure out, do I even want to go to law school? Um, I've spent, you know, I've probably, I spent like all of this past year in quarantine, just like studying for the LSAT and applying and writing essays. And like, I literally have to write an essay after this for a scholarship. <laughs> like I'm still in the midst of doing this. I've spent so much time, honestly, so much money applying to schools. And I think some of it comes from this place of like the culture that I grew up in as much as it's absolutely blessed my life and like really helped make me a lot of who I am. I, I don't think I was really ever taught to take a risk on myself. Um, I think that when, you know, growing up, I feel like I was kind of taught, like, I have to get a like really lucrative job or, you know, choose a really lucrative career, career path. And that is the only way I'm going to even be okay. Um, and it just didn't leave a lot of room for flexibility or creativity. Um, and I just, I'd never was, I never learned how to think create creatively about myself um, or about my, like how I could build my life. Um, and so I think as I'm sitting here now, like kind of like, you know, with the world as my oyster choosing who do I want to be, um, in, you know, many senses, whether that is what job do I want to, or what career path do I want to pursue versus like, who, what do I want to value? I have been, um, I think recently I've been finding that like these things that I were taught were so valuable are in many ways, I mean, very much they're not the only way to find success and like find joy in life. But in fact, sometimes it's necessary for me to think outside the box. Um, and I, you know, I, I, right now I'm like sitting here deciding between law schools and deciding, do I want to move? Do I want to stay? Do I, what does community look like for me? And I think like I've had, I've struggled a lot in my relationship with my parents because I think they, I mean, there's a lot of pieces there, but they represent a lot of like who I used to be and what mm -hmm. I used to value. And you know, I'm very much pressured to go to like the best school, but I'm also finding myself sitting here in, you know, on a sunny day in Seattle. And I'm like, what if I find joy, like staying here and being around my friends and my community? What if I find joy in mm. quitting my job and not going to law school and choosing something that um, is just way like, less lucrative in, in the sense of, you know, at least on the surface. Um, and I think that that has been really hard because truthfully, like it's also, it's come into play a lot with my own dismantling of like internalized white supremacy, 
Um, and even, and especially internalized capitalism, I think just in my own like interracial relationship, I've had to do so much, thank goodness, but like so much work in honestly just letting go of these things that I were taught, that I was taught were so valuable. And, um, and that has put a really big rift between me and frankly, my culture and, and my family. Um, but I think I'm beginning to realize like, I, I am going to be okay. Um, even if like, even if I choose joy, but I would say like only if I choose joy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, or only when I choose joy. Um, yeah, I'm going to be okay only when I choose joy. I think that there's been so much value in just like trusting myself and, and who I've become. Um, and I think like as a kid and especially as a teenager, like we're taught that choosing, choosing, you know, yourself or choosing things that are fun or whatever it is can, can be so irresponsible sometimes because you need to be thinking about your family or your future or whatever it is. And I mean, growing up in like an immigrant household, I was only ever taught to think about my future. Um, and the power of like, just like giving myself the flexibility to think about the present sometimes has, I think been where I've found myself um, and found the person that I'm wanting to be. And that looks like someone who, you know, doesn't care so much about the like ranking of the school that I go to, or doesn't care so much about what my family friends will think about my partner. I think I, I, as I've been someone who's been taught that the meaning of life is found in like success and like I think honestly like professional success I am realizing that when I take a chance on myself and I allow myself to you know listen to my own body and listen to what is honoring to me I'm finding that the meaning that I want to make out of my life is connection with others self-reflection. How has success been defined for you in your life? What might it look like for you to choose joy over an expectation in your life? What are some examples of ways that you have trusted yourself in your life? What are some ways that you have learned to listen to your body? I want to say thank you to Anjali and to Isaac for sharing what they've been learning about themselves recently and for giving us the opportunity to reflect a little bit on ourselves. And I want to say thank you to you for listening 
and for hopefully engaging with these questions. I really hope that throughout this, uh, you've maybe learned a little bit more about what it looks like for you to embody what it means to be you. So thank you so much. And hopefully you'll tune in again next time.